Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by track coach Tony Holler. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, want to give you a little insight into what is new and noteworthy in uh, the Robertson household. So pretty, uh, pretty tame weekend, but one thing that was fun, uh, Jess went out with her friends on Friday night, went to the Luke Combs concert. So as I like to deem it, it was daddy daycare. And you guys kind of know our routine by now, but Friday is always pizza movie night. So I took the uh, kiddos to their favorite pizza joint right down the road. It's amazing. It's like authentic Italian pizza. So very, very tasty meal there. Got them cleaned up. And then we are currently going through all eight episodes in order of the Star Wars movies. So they have seen them all before, but you know we're getting fired up for uh, episode nine. We want to see how this whole Skywalker saga ends. So they are loving it. We're going through them one by one. Just finished uh, episode four, A New Hope, and just kind of plowing through it, man. So it's been good. Also that night, I checked out the uh, first episode of The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. So didn't know how I was going to feel about that. And after about the first five, ten minutes, didn't know if I was really going to like the vibe. But I'm just one episode in so far. And so far, again, the... uh, the jury is still out, but I, I have enjoyed it up to this point. So not a ton going on uh, in this neck of the woods right now. The weekend was pretty low key. The iFast podcast is now up on iTunes. We have recorded three shows. If you have not checked it out yet, I would definitely ask you to do that. I realize the last thing you probably need at this point, if you're listening to this show, you probably have other shows in your queue. But if you want to learn a little bit more about Bill and I, about how iFast has evolved, I think it's it's worth a listen. You know, the first episode was all about starting up and how we started things maybe differently than a lot of fitness businesses do, but how I think that ultimately allowed us to be successful and less stressed out early on. The second one was all about our internship process. We get questions all the time from students, from other gyms about how we run our internship program, what makes it unique. So we take a deep dive into that in episode two. And then in episode three, which we actually just recorded today, we talked a lot about the hiring and firing side of running a business. So it kind of continued on from that internship show and, and kind of gave you some insights into what we look for from employees, how we try and groom employees, and perhaps most importantly, the real key factors that we need from every employee if they're going to be a good fit at IFAS. So I think it's going to be fun. I'm really enjoying it. It's just great to sit down and chat with him every week. And there's these little uh, moments that we both share just going down memory lane. So that's fun. But then just kind of fleshing out and talking about our process, I think, is something that people have asked us to do for years. And now we finally just set aside the time and made sure we're going to make that happen every week. So if you haven't checked it out, I'll make sure I get a link to that in the show notes. And then the final piece, feel kind of like... Don Corleone in Godfather 3, you know, just when I think I'm out, they pull, pull me back in. The training was slowing down there for a while. I'd gotten all the basketball guys out. G was my last kind of guy that I had, and he just has two weeks left going into the XFL season. But, you know, some of the, these soccer bros came back, didn't really know what the soccer offseason was going to look like, especially since I'm I'm not formally with the Indy 11 anymore, but got a couple guys in uh, that we've had in past offseason, so I'm excited to have them in. I'm getting young Kevin, our current new IFAST soccer coach, in and getting him up to speed because eventually I would like to turn the reins over to him, and I think that's kind of the evolution that we're going to continue to to play out here at IFAST. I mean, I'm realistic at the point I could coach all day, every day, right? Like I still have that level of energy and enthusiasm, but I'm also conscious of the fact that if I'm going to make the impact that I want to have in the gym, as far as the business side of it, if I want to make the impact that I want to have on the industry, I can't just slave away in the gym all day, every day coaching clients. And that's hard for me to admit, but at the same time, I'm conscious of the fact that I've got some pretty lofty goals and Bill and I have some pretty lofty goals that we want to achieve in the next five to 10 years. And we're talking continuing education content, seminars, workshops. We've got a lot of big things that we want to accomplish. So I think there's going to have to be something of a, a long-term plan for the coaching side. And I think for me, 
I will always enjoy coaching soccer players. I'll probably always have a handful that I work with, especially from time to time. But over the next couple of years, I'm going to have to offload some of the coaching hours and make sure that I get the right people working with the right athletes so that the athletes get a great result so that our young staff continues to grow and evolve because look, they're ready. Like they're ready right now <laughs> because here, here's the truth, right? Like you're never really ready. Like you can think you're ready and you can boast and have the confidence that you're ready. But until you get in there and you make some mistakes and you mess up a couple times, you're never really ready, but you're ready because you know, you've prepared and you've done everything that you can. And from there, it's really just about taking some lumps and continuing to grow and evolve. So excited about all of that. Uh, and I want to do a, a quick shout out to a couple of our, our basketball guys while I'm thinking about that. If you have been following the league at all, Glenn Robinson, killing it right now. This guy is literally doubled up in every career category this year. He's doubled his minutes from 15 to 30. He's doubled his points from four or five to 10 or 11 rebounds, assists, like across the board, he is having a career year. So super excited for Glenn. Keelan Martin, who's on a two-way with Minnesota, getting some legit minutes here the last couple of nights. So it's been fun to watch him play. I mean, unfortunately, uh, went up against James Harden. And James Harden, if you were following the NBA right now, is just torching everybody. <laughs> Doesn't matter who guards him. So he got he got Keelan once or twice, but Keelan got him a couple times too. He played some really good defense. So I was proud of him going out there. And then Dakota Mathias, who's in the G League right now, absolutely killing for Dallas. He's averaging mid-20s, I think, uh, leading the, the G League in three-pointers made. So really excited for those guys. And, you know, if I've got to focus on one thing going forward, the basketball thing is kind of it for me. I love it. I love working with those guys. And it's not that I don't love any other sport. I mean, that's the hardest thing for me. <laughs> I feel kind of wishy-washy right now because I love working with Jalen. I love football. I love working with these soccer guys and helping them get better. And I've spent the the better part of like the last seven or eight years working with a lot of high-level soccer players. But I got to narrow the focus a little bit, dial in the basketball stuff, and then give myself the time necessary so that we can create and you know just continue to grow and evolve what Bill and I are doing with the education side. Because again, so excited about that. I know it can be impactful to you as well as hopefully a lot of people in the fitness industry. So... That is it for me. We're going to do a quick break, quick message about the Complete Coach Cert. If you're not on that insider's list, my friend, get on it. Get on it because you know March 2020 will be here before you know it. So quick note about the CCC, and then we're going to jump into this awesome show with my boy Tony. It seems like every day I talk to a young trainer or coach who is frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if that sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and who know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is gonna take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. And the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the cert is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the certification will only open twice per year for a limited time only. If you're interested in learning more, my next cert will launch in March of 2020, and if you join my free insiders list, you'll be able to save $200 when it opens. To get on the insiders list, just head over to CompleteCoachCertification.com. Again, CompleteCoachCertification.com, and then stay tuned for emails in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. Tony Holler is the head track coach at Plainfield North High School in the Chicago area. Tony has coached track for 38 years, football for 28, and basketball for 15. In June of 2019, Tony retired after his 38th year of teaching chemistry, but he remains as the head track coach. 
Holler's teams have won three state championships. In 2018, his team swept the sprints in Illinois, winning the 100-meter, 200-meter, 4x1, and 4x2, setting new state records in the 100 and 4x1. In 2019, Plainfield North again featured the state champion in both the 100 and 200. Tony and Chris Corfus own the Track Football Consortium, providing continuing education for coaches multiple times per year. Last but not least, Tony produced the best-selling track and field video for championship productions in 2019, Feed the Cats, a complete sprint training program, and has authored nearly 200 articles about coaching, high performance, and education. In this show, Tony and I talk about how the son of a basketball coach got into track, how he made track not suck by creating the anti-track program, and what it means to feed the cats. Tony is awesome to talk to, absolutely hilarious, and I know you're going to love our chat. But enough for me, let's do this. Tony, man, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to get you on. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm 60 years old. I just retired last June from 38 years of teaching chemistry. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm a coach's kid. I think that's an important thing because yep. I was I was born to a coach, you know, 60 years ago. And my father was, he, did, he wasn't somebody that dabbled in coaching. Coaching was his life. He coached basketball for 47 years at the high school and college level. So I have a huge background in that. And then two of my own sons are now coaches as well. They coach football and track at, at the high school level. I have a, a, a strong background in, in coaching football. I was never a head coach, but I was an assistant coach for a long, long time. And I, I started my career as a head basketball coach. But I probably made my notoriety as a track coach, and, and more specifically in terms of coaching speed and sprinting. Yeah. What originally led you to that world of physical preparation? So obviously, you were the son of a coach, but how did you start to get into this side of it yourself? Yeah. Well, I think that you know, the, 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 my the influence of my father is, is is such a huge thing because I I was his first son. He yeah. was 23, 23 when I was born, and you know it was something about a father and their first son, and then mm-hmm. the next two kids were, were girls in my family, and so I became my father's wingman probably at the <laughs> age of five or six. Yeah, and he took me everywhere. I was at every practice. You know, I I kept stats for him, and I mean I I watched the man shave i think every morning when i was a kid and <laughs> and he would just talk to me and and he was excited every damn day yeah. he was excited about practice he was excited about the next game the next team the the freshman that was going to be such a great player someday and all that kind of stuff and so that enthusiasm when i went to college to be a, to be you know be pre med and become a doctor and all that kind of stuff i just didn't see that in other professions. Yeah. And so I, I defected pretty quick. And then <laughs> not only that, not only that, but two of my mom's brothers, all, all three of my mom's brothers played college football, but two of them became career football coaches themselves. So I have a strong coaching background with my mother as well. So I'm just kind of like, you know, those firemen who had dads that were firemen and yeah. just the family and stuff. That's a strong coaching bloodline right there, man. I mean, a lot of lifers right there. It is. It is. And, and, you know, I'm not done coaching and I'm 60. I, I, I worry about the time when I'm done coaching because, you know, it it means that much to me. And now I get to live on through my boys as well. So that's fun. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about your career path. You obviously defected from pre-med. So once you pivoted away from that, what, where did you go? What was like, where did you start? And then how did you get to where you're at today? Well, I was, I mean, being a, a first year, you know, coming right out of college, age 22, because I'd lived the game all my life, I, I thought I was ready to be a head basketball coach right away. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of went to the school where I would become a head basketball coach as soon as I could become one. <laughs> and and sure enough, during the spring of my first year of teaching, they fired the head coach and hired me. Oh, wow. And so I became a head coach at a, uh, it was actually a double A school, which there was only two classes in Illinois back then. So I had a, I was the youngest head basketball coach probably in the history of Illinois. Wow. And, and, and so, and now I had to go to one of the worst places in the world to become that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was a poor town, a coal mining town, 20 miles from Kentucky. 
but it didn't matter to me. You know, I lived in a trailer. I didn't make much money, but all I wanted to do is be a head basketball coach. And we eventually had reasonable success. And then I got fired in 1990. And, you know, here I was eight years as a head coach is all I ever wanted to do. And I had four young kids and a wife that was a teacher and we couldn't move. So basically you have to say, okay, my basketball career is over. What am I going to, what am I going to do now? And as fate would have it, four weeks before they fired me as basketball coach, they hired me as the head track coach because they couldn't find anyone. Mm. And so, so I went from becoming somebody that kind of just was a custodian of track and field, just kind of was an assistant coach, you know, put in my time, worked, worked the kids out to all of a sudden, like, you know, well, I better make myself a good track coach because that's all I got now. <laughs> right. And that's... so, and so it's, as always happens, you know, the, the worst moments of your life sometimes opens doors to really good things. Yeah. That's amazing. I never knew that. So one thing that I love to talk about and I love to start every show with is just getting an idea of the guest philosophy right? And understanding their big rocks. So for you, you've been doing this track thing for a little while now. So I would love to know what, when it comes to sprint training, what would you describe as your key tenets or your core philosophy? Well, I, I think when, when I look back, I coached like I was coached for a long time. And I think we all do that because mm -hmm. that's just our default. Yeah. And, um, it, it, something happened to me in 1999, which seems like yesterday, but it was just 21 years ago, actually 1998. And that was, we, we had a, a state championship level track team that did not perform well at the state meet because we were in the middle distance events. And it was a real hot two day experience. And my kids kind of melted and we ended up getting third in the state, not getting first. And the team that won was a group of sprinters and jumpers that the heat did not bother much. And and that, along with the idea that my oldest son, who was a terrific athlete in middle school, had told me like that week that he was going to play baseball instead of running track. And I was like, what the hell? You, know, you're, you're, you are living with a, a track and field legend right. and you are going to play baseball. I said, well, you know, track sucks, dad. And I, and I thought oh my God, I'm going to make track unsuck. You know, right. Or, right. <laughs> I mean, and so, so I changed everything and this sounds crazy, but I basically started a program where, where we were not going to run anymore. Okay. Um, <laughs> it sounds kind of weird, yeah. but throughout, throughout my track and field experience, kids would come to practice and say, coach, do we have to run today? And I said, holy hell, well, yeah, we're going to run. That's what we do in track. We run. Well, we stopped running and started sprinting. Ah, okay. We start and we did no running ever again. Yeah. And I tell the kids that all we're going to do is fast stuff. And I told them that whatever we're going to do that's not maybe great training, we're going to make up for it because we're going to love what we do and we're going to be so competitive. And so that really became the bedrock of our program where, where I, I take every day and try to make, try to figure out how am I going to make a pro, a, a sport that sucks into a sport that kids love. And that is truly feed the cats. And that is truly something, and th this is why feed the cats is becoming a revolution, right? I mean, I'm not, it, it's, it's not everywhere yet, but it is a revolution because you can apply that principle to education, to all sports. If you start thinking, how am I gonna make this into something that kids love? Yeah. All of a sudden you start seeing great results because we are so good at what we like. We, we, are, we really love to read books that we get to pick. Yeah. We don't like books that are assigned to us. So, so everything I do is based on making it kid-friendly. And then here's the byproduct of it. I found out that when you stop sprinting, or don't, no, stop running, and start only sprinting, your kids get really fast. Hmm. And that, I just kind of stumbled into that, Yeah. but, but it's pretty cool. I love that. So for those of us or for the people that are unfamiliar with you, will you just break it down? What exactly does it mean to feed the cats and where does that saying come from? Is it is it literally coming from that time where you said we're done running? We're just going to sprint. Like, give us the backstory. Babe. 
Yes. Uh, well, I told you two of the three big things. Uh, that was my son saying that track, track sucks. sucks. <laughs> yeah. and, and, then, and then my team having a miserable experience being middle distance runners. Yeah. Well, the third thing that happened is I went to a clinic. And as you know, for every three bad speakers you see, you see somebody that might change the way you think. Yeah. Well, I saw a guy named Paul Souza who coached a division three school in Massachusetts. I'd never heard of him, but he changed my life. I call it my epiphany. He, he said something about when the kids get on the bus, the track kids, you know, like they're all different species of animals. There's dogs and there's gorillas and there's cats. And, and I thought, holy shit. Yeah. Cat, <laughs> cats, cats, yeah. and cats. You don't put a leash on, on a cat and right. take them on a jog. They don't jog, but they are the most competitive animals. They sprint. They sleep 20 hours a day. And so I called it Feed the Cats. And so I told my kids, we're going to treat you like cats. And I want you to sleep 20 hours a day. But when we sprint, we're going to sprint like 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 nobody's ever sprinted. We're going to be the most competitive team around and all this stuff. We may be undertrained, but by God, we're going to be so much faster than everybody else. And so anyway, <laughs> it's a big propaganda thing. I love but that, it. That's what I mean. Now, now, the whole thing about cats it could be seen as cats are your fast twitch athletes. Sure. And sometimes coaches tell me, say, well, we don't have any cats in our school. And I say, well, if you treat them all like dogs, they're never going to be more cat-like. Right. So you really have to start seeing it as a fast twitch cat-like exercise, or else you're just going to have a bunch of plow horses out there. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what you alluded to in your, your talk at, you know, the speed and power summit a while back. It's, I mean, I just loved your talk because while I understand you're you're attempting in some degree to be polarizing, it's like I'm drawn <laughs> to that. I loved it because it's like, look, we're doing really stupid things. Like go out if you want to run faster, go out and run fast. And, you know, it's the more people I interview on this show, the more I realize like the people that are doing things at a really high level are just really specific and really targeted when it comes down to their training. I totally agree. I think specificity is huge. And I think the thing that really makes me, I just did an article this past week on Charlie Francis, you know, and Charlie Francis said a lot of the same things I say, except for the fact that they did a lot of tempo training mm -hmm. and we don't, we, we do other things instead of tempo. And so we have basically totally, like, like Carl Lewis spoke at a TFC that we had track football consortium we had a couple of years ago. And he says that he has all of his guys run a lap. And he said, if they don't, if they seem sluggish, he has them run another one. And everybody turned around and looked at me because my kids have never run a lap in practice ever. Right. Not one time right. ever. And they're like, God, how, how, why did you have Carl Lewis come and talk to his coach? You know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. So anyway, <laughs> so I, I am a, yeah, I am polarizing and all that stuff, but it's fun to do that too. Absolutely. No, and it, it gets a response and it gets people interested in what you're saying. So I, I loved it. So one thing I would love to do while you're on here is just talk some X's and O's with regards to how you set up your program, because as the saying goes, success leaves clues. You've been very successful. So when it comes to laying out your, your program, track season's in, what does a typical training week look like for you guys? Okay, like we're getting close to our winter training right now. Yeah. So, so that's, that's like off season. Yeah. And I really, really encourage multi-sport athletes. About 60% of my sprinters are on the football team. I think 15 of our, the 22 starters on Plainfield North's football team ran on my track team wow. um, <laughs> or, or, or through for us. So, so I really believe in that. And it's really hard to get basketball players to do anything outside yes. basketball anymore. But I love basketball players. It's just sad that they're brainwashed now and, and they don't do things that would make them better athletes. Yes. But anyway, so an off-season program for us, for kids that are not participating in, in a sport, is that we will do a Monday and Wednesday speed workout and a, win, and a Tuesday, Thursday X-Factor workout. So uh, so you say, well, what's we have three categories of workouts. We have speed, we have x and we have lactate workouts. Okay. Well, in, in the uh, off-season, we only do speed and X. So we are 100% alactic, 100% alactic all through the off-season. In other words, we do things intensely for six seconds, five seconds, six seconds, and, and, and then recover enough to do it again. And so in our speed days, 
we do about 15 minutes of running fundamentals, speed drills, a few plyos mixed in. And then we time our kids three times with uh, free lap timing. And we will we have like seven different metrics, but usually it's a 40-yard dash so that football players want to be on my team. And also the 10-meter fly, which is the most important thing to me because max speed is the holy grail. Acceleration is the most overrated part of speed. That max speed is global. Max speed improves acceleration, all those things. So it takes us about 45. No, it takes us close to an hour to process about 50 kids. And then they go lift for an hour with the football team. In the meantime, the slower half of the kids are lifting first, and then they come out and sprint with me second. So we will process about 100 kids a day, oh, and only about, tw- only about 20 to 25% of those kids are on my track team. So I, I think to be a great track coach, you've got to be a big help to your football program as well. And so that's what we do. It's, it's a win-win situation because a track team without, without football player without without football players are basically track or uh, band nerds and 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 academic nerds and <laughs> they're not going to be good sprinters and it's very true i mean right. w- without football players you just have like nerdy type kids running track and you, you need some of those thick tough guys who want to fight once in a while to be a good <laughs> track team so so anyway we so then you're probably wondering about the x-factor workouts of course we come in and we do like stations usually where we do some type of bouncy thing for eight, 10 minutes. Once again, all alactic. We're not trying to get tired. We're a big rest in between, but huge intensity as we do it. So yeah, any type of plyo, assisted plyos, that type of thing. Uh, another station will probably be a strength station, whether it's lunges or you know something like that, but something to do with body weight strength. Another station with mobility, you know, like hurdle over and unders, hurdle skips, things like that. And then a lot of times we'll do like a bleacher station where we're doing, we're jumping off the top bleacher and sticking a landing, or, or we are stepping off a bleacher and reacting to the ground and jumping over a hurdle, called depth jumps. We do Bosch drills on the bleachers. But everything we do, and, and there's a lot more to our catalog as well. That's why sure. we call it X, X meaning unknown. And to put this in some type of of context charlie francis would do would do tempo workouts mm-hmm. in between his speed stuff we don't do tempo we don't jog so instead we use x factor to recover from the previous day high load cns stuff and then we are also not taxing ourselves for the next day which will also be a speed day yeah so we just go speed x speed x three days off to uh, rest and relax and come back fast on Monday. Oh, and, and it's important to note too, I, I, I mentioned the timing stuff, the timing of sprinting, and I and my program is called Record, Rank, and Publish, is really, really important to everything we do. So so that's what we do, and I, I don't, probably don't want to bore you with in-season. It, it gets kind of complicated because in-season, sure. the rest, the recovery and rest, you know, track meets are just hell on athletes. We have to do some lactate work. You know, like it's not it's not high volume, but we may do three one fifties with three minute rest. But but our kids are in, you know, are thrown up or in the fetal position after <laughs> that. You know, it's really hard. Yeah. It's not high volume, but it's high intensity. So we have to learn how to sprint further in the season. And and it's just really, you know, it's a hard thing to do. But then we have to really incorporate more rest to make up for that taxing that of our body. Yeah. So really, you know, what we do is we build a huge foundation of speed in the off, off season and then try not to ruin that in the, uh, during the season. I love it. So I do have a follow-up. I'm intrigued by record, rank, and publish. Would you mind kind of diving in a little bit there? What does it mean? Yeah, it's, it's probably one of the 10 things that, you know, if – it, it doesn't have any value I, I'm, or else I'd copyright it because it's mine. Uh, <laughs> right. you know, I, you know, it has no value, but people say record and rank and publish all the time. Basically, what it is is this. I believe that, okay, for example, you are not sprinting unless you're wearing spikes, you're timing them, and then you record the times, you rank the times, and you publish the times. Yep. If you're not doing those things, then it's running. Yes. And and basically, you and I probably both grew up with similar experience that we ran a lot. Yeah, yeah <laughs> in, absolutely. 
but that's what we did. You know, you, you ran distance for basketball. You mm-hmm. know, you yes. you, you ran till you puked after practice. You know, yeah. it's just awful stuff. Well, and so anyway, so if that's the case, so when we time, let's say, let's say we're running 10 meter flies and, and we'll record the times on, on a clipboard. That's the record. And then I'll go back to my classroom or now I don't have a classroom anymore. I'll come back to my office and I'll record those on a Google sheet. I'll rank them, and and then I will put out a tweet with maybe a video or a picture of somebody, and then I will post that entire link. I will post maybe the five guys that ran PRs or or the you know the wow moment of the yeah. day. So and then I tell my kids, I said, you know, this sprinting stuff. You know, when I when I publish this stuff, there's going to be a billion Chinese people all looking at your damn times tonight. <laughs> and, so, and so, you know, and, and so we're always talking this propaganda. Yeah. And, but my kids, if they forget their spikes, I mean, I heard a Jamaican coach one time said their culture had gotten so good in Jamaica that their eight and nine year olds are carrying water bottles with them. I thought, yeah, that's really good. And I thought, you know what? My high school kids, they carry their spikes with them. Yeah. They're, their book bags have spikes jangling from them. And we have like 300 pound football players. They're borrowing spikes from the sprinters in our group to run good times. And so that's when you start developing that culture of speed. I love it. That's that's brilliant, man. So one thing, and again, I'm not a hardcore track coach, so I try and know my role in this discussion, but I definitely am on the periphery, right? And I'm always trying to learn. So I feel like in the hardcore track circles, there's a lot of debate about how much emphasis needs to be placed on running mechanics. So you're the expert here. What are your thoughts on the topic? How much or how big of an emphasis do we need to put on running mechanics? Well, I think the, the word hardcore was important, what you just said, because, you know, it's weird. I, I don't have much relationship with college coaches, yeah. but I have a pretty good relationship with with some some professional coaches. Mm-hmm. And like Stuart McMillan is a friend of mine. He talks about how he he would never consider changing the Andre DeGrasse straight arm running style of his left arm, I guess, right. because he needs this with the biorotational quasi quantum mechanic, whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah, let's just right. say it's pretty hard. I, I don't, I think he's making it up. But anyway, if I was coaching elite runners and they're really freaky fast, I wouldn't be changing them because they probably are co- doing compensations that are necessary to run that those elite times. Yep. And that's why we cannot base our training on professional coaching. Yeah. Because I say, you know, you don't base your coaching on freaks and cheats. If you think about that, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a hundred percent true. They're freaks and they're cheats, and sometimes at the same time. And so, it, when you're working with a high school track team, I want all my kids to look as much like Carl Lewis as possible. So we are constantly working at a higher knee drive. We're constantly working with our hands. We're constantly working on posture. We're constantly working on being on, on our backside mechanics, limiting our backside mechanics. So yeah, I'm I'm huge on mechanics. And I think I think anybody that's not coaching sub 10 hundred meter sprinters probably need to be, you know, teaching it pretty good. Yeah. And you know, I again just from watching your presentation, I mean, it's layered everywhere. Right. It's layered in from your warm up into your starts, into your top end stuff like you're constantly addressing that. Am I correct? I coach every every day. You know, I every I tell people everybody does sprint drills, but my kids do them better. Yes. And and I and I make sure I'm caffeinated before (laughs) I go out there because I've been doing this. It's so damn boring to go through sprint drills every day. But I know that sometimes we have to do stuff that's boring we have to eat our vegetables in other words you know every day our kids my kids have to be reminded of how to sprint and how to do things right so so yeah i'm big on mechanics well and that was one thing that really resonated with me when you did your talk was look everybody does speed drills we just do ours better and it was such a simple statement but it's something that everybody can take notice of everybody can take pride in because We've all seen the kid where, oh, you're doing a speed day and they're like sloppy. They're doing an A skip and they're kind of relaxed. And like there's no there's no intensity. There's no intent there. So I just love that 
that comment because it I think every coach can resonate with it. Like just do the basics better. Yeah, it's, it's and I think it, it, there's a carryover with football, basketball, track. I mean, in all things, you know, I mean, most basketball practices look about the same. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but the great ones uh, coach the nuance. They they are they're disciplined. They coach the little things. I mean, it's just there's just a huge difference between people who do it right and people that don't. Absolutely. So another really hotly debated topic is the idea of strength training for sprinters or strength training for speed in general. So in your opinion, how much strength work do you feel is enough to excel on the track? Well, I'm very polarizing here. Yes. And That's why I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Again. And, and part of it, I say I, I go rabbit hunting with a buffalo gun. <laughs> and and part of it is like the entire S&C profession these people that live in weight rooms, own weight rooms, their their profession is weightlifting. Champions are born in the weight room, all that stuff. I have to piss them off to say <laughs> that that you're not going to get faster in the weight room. And, oh, they, they just want to fight me. Right. And, and it's okay. Now, all of my football players will lift. In a combat sport, you must lift. You must get bigger, you must get stronger, you must be injury, you know, more, more durable, resilient, and if people that don't lift break bones. Yeah. And so and so you have got to lift. Now, as long as they're sprinting with me along with it, we are absolutely 100% fine. If they're not sprinting with me, they will get slower. Yeah. And oh, that pisses people off, you know, but, <laughs> but and then Here's the other weird thing. I don't know as much difference between my kids that lift and my kids that don't. Really? Really. Hmm. And they say, well, gee, acceleration. You, you need to be strong for acceleration. Yes. But the best way to get really good at acceleration is get better at max speed. Hmm. And secondly, is by accelerating. Yeah. Max speed sprinting, you know, great CNS stuff, and then actual acceleration are the best ways to get better acceleration because you are being so specific in your force production, your timing. You know, the, the weight room produces long, long heavy contractions. Yep. Whereas, whereas in the, you know, you have like, you know, like dozens of muscles contracting and very important, relaxing. Yes. In like a tenth of a second when you are sprinting. Yep. It's a symphony of contract, relax with huge forces, but yet, you know, just, you know, nanoseconds. Yeah. And so, and so the weight room is so nonspecific to sprinting that, like I say, you know, if you have to lift, you know, that's great. But you must use sprinting for more than just a monthly assessment. Yeah. You know, you must be sprinting on a regular basis and it only has to be a couple times a week. Yeah. But, yeah. but you got to do it. Yeah. I love it. So one more question, because again, we talked about this before the show, there's track coaches that listen to this, but there's also a lot of strength and conditioning coaches that work with basketball, soccer, football. So how do you take your work and then apply it to field or court sports like football, basketball, soccer? Where does this fit in? To their overall program well th this goes to the other five or six things that that if they were worth anything i'd copyright them but <laughs> but you know there's a lot of less is more type of talk yep you know one of my slogans is never let today ruin tomorrow no i like that yep and every coach crushes kids and then they're pissed at them the next day yeah <laughs> that they're not any good so I, I say that tired is the enemy not the goal yes you know, the yeah. dumbest the dumbest coaches work their kids the hardest, but tired is the enemy. You know, a, a high performance athlete is not a plow horse; it's a racehorse, and you are not trying to get racehorses tired. You're trying to get them faster, or you know, or quicker in basketball, or or yeah. So, so I think that that's the you'll never see this slogan in in a weight room or in a locker room, but do less and achieve more. Right. I mean, everybody wants to do more. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a badge uh, of honor, right? Just yeah, do sure. more. 
It's in our religion. It's in our DNA. Yeah. My dad used to say to his basketball team, and I've heard it a million times, we're going to work so damn hard during practice that our games are going to be easy. Yeah. And I can see why he said that. But but he was 100% wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need to practice fast. And we never have to have any practice as hard as the actual game. But if we're really playing fast, the second half may not matter. And yeah. even if it does matter, we're still going to be the faster team in the second half, too. Absolutely. And so, you know, games, football games are lost by fumbles and missed tackles and penalties. They're not lost by a lack of courage or, or conditioning. And everybody wants to blame, you know, conditioning and courage and effort. Right. And it's wrong. Some of the great Los Angeles Dodgers this year had an incredible, they broke all their franchise records in hitting. Yeah. And they limited, what they did is they limited batting cage time. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing about that. Think about that. What happens if you only get 15 minutes in the cage instead of 45? You're dialed in. You're dialed in. And and 15 minutes of dialed in is 100 times better than 45 minutes of going through the motions. Yep. So do less, achieve more. I believe you got to prioritize speed. And I'm real big on the, uh, you know, you either go high intensity, high speed, or you back way off. Yep. And so what, what you create in, 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 in a team sport or something is what Bowerman, the famous track coach from Oregon, said was the hard, easy concept that we are, we never get great due to moderate exercise. It's true. Yep. We get great because of fan, freaking fantastic workouts. And you cannot have a freaking fantastic workout on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Yep. You have to go freaky fantastic and then take care of business the next day so you can have a great one the next day. So would you rather have four moderate workouts or two freaky fantastic and two recovery workouts? And so that's that's one of my big things I talk to football coaches and basketball coaches and rugby coaches about. And I think it's it makes so much sense. But what does 99% of all teams do? Moderate, if not piss poor practices every damn day. Yeah. I know that was my experience yep. in high school and college. We just trudged through hard work. And maybe it made us better adults because we're tougher. I don't know. <laughs> but it didn't make us racehorses. Right. That's true. I love it. Okay. Big question time. So if okay. you could alter the space-time continuum and give young Tony Holler one piece of advice about training and or life, what would it be? I would say I'm real big on this new thing about we have two brains. Yep. We have a feeling brain, a thinking brain. And every mistake I've ever made in my life was, was thinking my feeling brain knew what it was doing. <laughs> and the feeling brain never doesn't have any future plans for you, you know, and, and – your thinking brain does. Yep. And I, it, it, the more I think about great athletes or great coaches or great people, they're able to discipline, you know, almost like put that damn dog on a leash, you know, <laughs> that, 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 that feeling brain. And, you know, you can still have a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. But, but I, I just think that, you know, and maybe we've all gone through that, but, but yeah, I, I listened to my feeling brain like it was an equal partner a lot, and I still do. I still make stupid mistakes. But every time I think, what was I thinking, it was because I wasn't thinking. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we make yeah. mistakes with our thinking brain as well, but it's but it's not our fault because our thinking brain is going by the best information we have. Absolutely. And so you can't really blame yourself on that. But when you do something really stupid, and man, athletes do this stuff all the time, and you know where they just – I say, you know, if you stay up till one thirty at night, the night before a game, who's running your life, your feeling brain or your thinking brain? Yeah. And they go, yep, it's my feeling brain. And so when I think back of all the mistakes I made, you know, I should have had my feeling brain on a much shorter leash. Yeah, that's great advice, man. Okay, last but not least, we've got our lightning round. So four questions, and your answer can be as short or as long as you'd like. All right? Yep. Number one, I know this is going to be tough. But what's your career highlight so far as a coach? Okay, as a coach, it, it's it's kind of strange. It, it's probably what's happened to me in the last three years. I had a chance to coach a phenom named Marcellus Moore. And as a freshman, for me, he ran a 10.40. Yeah. At, blazing. <laughs> at, at the age of 14, 5'6", 149 with braces. 
And that was the fastest time ever recorded in the history of the world by a 14-year-old. The next year, at the age of 15, he ran 1031. And that was the fastest time in the 125-year track and field history in Illinois. 1031, age 15, still wearing braces. <laughs> and then this past year, of course, he wins the state again in both events, both 100 and 200. But then you go into the Pan Am Games in uh, Costa Rica, I think. And they won the gold medal running a world record time of 38.62 with four teenagers. And he was the youngest of the four. So, so yeah, that's, that's probably, it's kind of fun to, you know, I tell people that Marcellus was a phenom before he ever met his first good coach. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe I was his first good coach, but, <laughs> but, 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 but anyway, it's really fun, you know, to coach a phenom like that. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool when you say your highlights been recent. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Number two, do you have any like rags to riches athletes that you've coached or someone who has excelled beyond what you thought they could accomplish? Well, I think that's the beautiful thing about being a high school coach is that there's too many to count. I'd say yeah. in 38, 38 years, I could write a book about a hundred of them, you know, like, and I'd be missing some. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I go back to a, a kid probably named Blake Boma that didn't come out for track as a freshman and, and was bad as a sophomore and better as a junior. And as a senior, he had some success, some small school track success. And then he wasn't really ready for college. So he helped me coach the team for two years. And then I got him into college. And even though he had not competed in two years, he went to the school and became a national champion. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, there, there are things like that that goes on. But, but I mean, I, I'm, I feel like every day I can come home and say, holy cow, guess what so-and-so did. Right. I, I don't have anybody to say that to. My wife has heard it enough. But, <laughs> right. but that's, that's what keeps us going in high school coaching is not the championships. It's those rags to riches stories. I love it. I love it. Okay, number three. If you could give team sports coaches, so soccer, football, basketball, one piece of advice to help them make their athletes faster, what would it be? To make them faster, it would be sprint. You know, that you you've got to start incorporating sprinting when you are fresh. I, I tell football coaches they need to get rid of their forty minutes of mindless warm-ups that they're like they're kind of trying to get their team tired before they start practice or something i don't understand that you know take their damn pads off and get out and and run through the wickets at high speed time them in a couple 10 meter flies their central nervous system will be on fire have them put their pads back on and you're ready to play football so that would probably be the thing more than anything and and then of course limit your work and this is really important i think i so many football coaches ruin their lives or any type of team sport because they work 14 hour days and, and they, you know, tired coaches are not good coaches. And, and, but yet they will brag about, they see a Herm Edwards, like, Oh, as a coach, I don't sleep at night. I don't sleep because there's always something to think about. Oh, shut up, Herm. (laughs) We need, we need to be telling coaches to, to shut it off and be a dad and be a husband. And, and they will be a better coach because of that, because we are better when we're fresh. Absolutely. Okay. Number four, last but not least, what's next for Tony Holler? What are you working on right now? What are you excited about? Anything? Well, things are really exploding right now. I just got back a month ago from, from England and Ireland where I did five workshops over there, you know, to, to think that a guy that's, you know, never been overseas, you know, got to do five workshops and I'm just a high school coach. Man, you know, that's what, awesome. What a world we're living in where, yeah. you know, like <laughs> my assistant principal one day, a couple of years ago said, how's your baseball team going to be this year? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I'm a nobody, you know, at my own school, but yeah. yet I get to go over to London and Dublin and stuff and talk about feed the cats. So things have really been going good for me. We're having three track football consortiums coming up. Yeah. One in December, Chicago, one in January in Dallas, and one in February in St. Louis. And those consortiums are so good because there's those strength conditioning people, those people that live in a weight room, you know, rubbing shoulders with football coaches, rubbing shoulders with track coaches. And instead of guys that live in a weight room learn about sets and reps, they're seeing Vince Anderson talk about 
speed. Yeah, they're they're seeing a football coach talk about their offseason program, their high school coaches sharing ideas and all. That. So it's really a, a rebel talent type of thing. And I'm actually doing my first Speed the Cats clinic in Wichita, where me and my two sons are going to provide nine sessions of nothing but Feed the Cat stuff. And, That's um, awesome. Yeah, I'm speaking in you know like three different state clinics over the winter. So, so yeah, I'm busy, and this is perfect for me because. I don't teach anymore, yeah. so I have time. I have time to do it, dude. You just retired into like your dream job, basically, right? You still get oh, to coach I, and lecture and do all the things that you're passionate about, right? Absolutely. And as you know, when you start traveling around talking, you start meeting people. Absolutely. And, and your my clan has grown to include some people that are pretty famous, you know. And it's just really fun to 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 meet people that are at the top of their game and all that kind of stuff. I love it, man. I love it. Well, Tony, it's been great chatting with you today. I feel like I took a ton away from this. Where can my listeners find out more about you and what you have going on? Well, my my biggest social media presence is Twitter, and it's it's at PN Track. You can just look for my name, but it's like Plainfield North, P-N-T-R-A-C-K. Okay. And then if you look up Track Football Consortium or TFC or just Google my name. I've written over 200 articles in the last six years. Wow. So if you're, you know, it would actually make up six regular sized books if I'd ever put <laughs> it together. Uh, so there's a lot to read out there and, and, and I'm, and I'm polarizing and I'm, I'm kind of rebellious and all that. So it's kind of fun to read that stuff. So maybe, that's how you find me. Maybe polarizing isn't the word you like to stir the pot. I do. I do. And I love it. I love it. It's so much fun. There's so much vanilla out there. I need something with a little pizzazz. So, well, Tony, man, again, it's been great catching up with you today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's been really fun, Mike. Thank you. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's show with Tony. Sincerely hope you enjoyed it. He's one of those guys I love listening to. I love chatting with, and I just hope you took a thing or two away from this show. If you did, whether you're a track person, whether you're a sports coaching person, or if you're just a coach that enjoys listening to Tony talk, I would truly appreciate it if you could share this any place, anytime. I would appreciate it. It doesn't matter. Instagram, Facebook, Twitters, anywhere you are at that you could pump this show out to, I would greatly appreciate it. So as always, my friend, thank you so much for your support. You know it. I love and appreciate you. The show wouldn't be what it is without you. So as always, thank you so much, and we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care.